You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1176 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com or use the promo code NBA to go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show, right now, it became a pretty lopsided win for the Hawks, a 133-112 to victory over the Pacers at State Farm Arena on this Tuesday. If you watch this game, you will definitely know this, and we'll get into all kinds of detail about it in a second, but the Pacers were very shorthanded in this game to the point where I tweeted this before the game, and I do mean it. I'm not someone who says anything about must-wins in the regular season. It's an overstated term. I think that's always kind of uh, exaggeration, but this is about as close as it would come just because the Hawks were huge favorites in this spot because of Indiana's roster, and Atlanta kind of needed to win. After losing three out of the last four games, they came out, took care of business. They won in convincing fashion. They had an awesome first half, which we'll touch on more in a second, but a season high in both points and assists before halftime, and it was pretty much cruise control from there. There was one run by the Pacers in the second half, but it was not really anything that really threatened the Hawks along the way. They stabilized the the, uh, efforts from there, and they won very, very solidly. So we'll get into everything from this game, but I do want to take a second at the top of the podcast to plug the deadline primer, as the deadline is actually a Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m., but I posted about a 40-minute episode talking all kinds of trade stuff from players of interest to the Hawks roster to luxury tax stuff, salary cap stuff, Etc. That's all on the feed right now. If you missed it from Tuesday, that is still available. And for the most part, it's still relevant. Uh, CJ McCollum was traded, which we'll get into later on. But other than mentions of McCollum, uh, everything else is kind of still in play for the Hawks that I talked about on that podcast. So obviously, it's all very dynamic right now in terms of uh, as, as I record things, as, as people record things and talk about things and write about things. It changes on a dime, but between now and 3 o'clock on Thursday, the Hawks will be involved. I would imagine some trade some trade talks. I tried to sort of set the landscape a little, a little bit about that on that podcast. So it's still relevant, still in your podcast player right now. And please check out the podcast and subscribe via the platform of your choice. Okay, with all of that said, we'll, get, we'll dive into the game now. And the pregame stuff, I sort of alluded to it a second ago. The Pacers, in addition to having a shorthanded roster, are not very good right now. They've actually, coming into the night, they were 5-17 and 17 in their last 22 games. Uh, injuries, uh, just poor performance, etc. And then on the Hawks front, I will say they were pretty healthy in this game. John Collins was probable, ended up playing. Gallinari was questionable with hamstring tightness that kept him out of the game recently, but he ended up playing as well. Lou Williams missed the game for the Hawks. He actually was listed as doubtful with a hamstring tension that also kept him, kept him out of the game on um, on Sunday. But he was the only major absence for the Hawks in this game. The Pacers, though, had a pretty busy day, a pretty eventful day in terms of their trades and their organization, which is not obviously it's not a lot on Pacers podcast, but they traded three of their key guys, including their, you know, arguably, arguably their best player, at least one of their three best players, and Demonis Sabonis, uh, along with Jeremy Lamb and a former Hawk, Justin Holiday. They were traded this afternoon, which left the Pacers without uh, even more guys, because obviously if you make a trade in the afternoon, the new guys coming in are not, gonna, not going to arrive in time to play in the game, so take those three guys off the, off the roster. And then on top of that, they were already missing Miles Turner. Malcolm Brogdon ended up not playing in this game after being listed as questionable. Isaiah Jackson, a first-round pick from last year, also missed the game. So by tip-off, the Pacers had eight guys available, and that is the minimum to start an NBA game. Uh, and if you're going to go a step below that, 
Only one of their top seven players this season in terms of minutes played and also just overall stature, Chris Duarte, their first-round pick, um, I guess late lottery pick. He was the only guy that played out of their top seven. Uh, only one big man available as well. Goga Batati was available, and uh, after that it was uh, patched together, we'll say. So basically, Indiana's roster in this game was about as bad as it could be in a non-COVID you know COVID replacement player situation like there was early on this season. Um, they didn't really have an NBA roster available, if we're being honest. They had some guys who were NBA players, obviously. Chris Duarte is one. Uh, Goga is one. Lance Stevenson has been playing reasonable basketball. Um, O'Shea Brissett's a guy I like. But they had some G League caliber players, so I'm not going to name them right now. But uh, it was pretty ugly. And as a result of that, the Hawks were pretty big favorites in this game. So in the morning, pre-Sabonis trade and with Brogdon listed as questionable, the Hawks were 9.5-point favorites, according to our friends at Line. By the time this game tipped off... The Hawks were 13-point favorites, and honestly, it should have been more than that. Uh, I said that even before the game. I was thinking that out loud, and, you know, I understand that you don't want to make the line crazy, and it's still an NBA game. They're still professional athletes, but the Hawks' available roster was just leaps and bounds better than the Pacers. One way to describe this would be, like, if the Hawks didn't have Trey and Collins in this game, they still would have been pretty solid favorites, which kind of tells you the drop-off. You know, the Hawks are not the same team without Trey Young, but if you were to remove the Hawks' even probably more than more than just the top two players. If you want to take the top three or four off the top of the Hawks on this roster, uh, they would still have been better on paper than this Pacers team. But the Hawks should have won, and they did win, and that was good to see them because nothing's a given in the NBA. They made moments of that after the game as well. He talked about the fact that you, know, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to cheat the game. He's, he's saying he, he, believes, he believes in the basketball gods. Kind of just acknowledging that, like, look, we kind of knew we were going to win this game. They didn't say that out loud, but that was the tenor of Nate's comments. Like, they knew Indiana was, was shorthanded. Trey said after the game that they game plan for Sabonis, as they should have, at, at shoot-around. The deal hadn't been done yet, so they were kind of preparing for the Pacers team that was not actually there. Um, but they took care of business, and this is actually a pretty encouraging sign. Even if the Hawks were supposed to win this game, they did it, alas. Okay, diving into the game itself, the Pacers did play small. As I mentioned before, they didn't have any bigs available. They had one of big, big, big available, so they had to play small the entire game. Uh, Torrey Craig and Lance Stevenson kind of played some four for them. Uh, they also played Kiefer Sykes at point guard to start the game. Um, Kiefer Sykes is a good story. Actually, if you want to look that, look that guy up, he's actually been a pretty a pretty good success story. But he is so small that he looks he, he makes Trey Young look large, let's just say. Uh, he's, it's, uh, it's a rare time where Trey looks like he is much bigger because he is much bigger than his opponent. Uh, it's sort of the one-on-one matchup. Interesting stuff there. But the Hawks led 18-9 out of the gate in this game. They made their first five shots. They made three in a row from three-point range. Trey had four assists in the first three minutes. Um, there was some interesting like fumbling of the ball from DeAndre Hunter in this game, like maybe two or three times in the first four minutes. Kind of been curious how it's how much has happened lately. So if you want to have a little bit of curiosity or on the negative side from this game, maybe Hunter fumbling the ball away a few different times, both catches and dribbling. I'm not sure if it's the wrist that's still bothering him. He's not being listed on the injury report, but uh, that's been a little bit of a curious thing to watch in the last few games, maybe in the last couple weeks about Hunter. So circle that if you want to get into it on the film. But other than that, it was all good early on. A 14-2 run by the Hawks to go up 32-13 in about eight minutes. That's uh, obviously a pretty big onslaught. They scored 32 points on the first 17 possessions, which is almost two points per possession. That's unbelievably ridiculous. They had a 95% true shooting mark at that point in time with one turnover. So they did whatever they wanted to do. John Collins had 13 points in seven minutes. Trey was getting wherever he wanted to go. And uh, again, the Hawks came out and did not hold back. And that's encouraging that they were just kind of blitzing them from the outset in this game. Rotationally, it was pretty much the same as it's been for a while. Uh, it was Gallinari first for Capella, then McDonavich, then, then DeLon Wright alongside Trey Young. And then Kongu came in, 
and then Herder as the bridge guy for Trey. Um, in the second half, that was a little bit different. They actually, actually used Trey as the bridge guy for the most part, but uh, obviously things were already out of hand at that point in time, but nothing hugely surprising. Um, they kind of played nine guys again. That's been the theme the last couple weeks. Um, there was one sort of offensive dry spell. They had four straight trips where they didn't score in the first quarter, and the Patriots cut it down to four, cut it down to twelve, I should say, late in the quarter. But then by the end of the quarter, Bogdanovich hit two threes in a row in the last minute to have the Hawks go up by eighteen at the end of the first. They scored forty points in the first quarter on twenty-four possessions, about a one point seven points per possession mark. That's crazy good. They shot seventy-three percent from the floor in the period. Uh, Trey had ten and seven in the first quarter. And they held the Pacers to less than a point per possession. So it was a perfect storm of dominance to win a quarter by 18. That's not the tone right away. This game, the Hawks were going to be seriously playing well. Um, they actually had a three on the first possession of the second quarter. It was Kevin Herter to go up by 21. At that point, the Hawks were 8 of 10 from three-point range. Now, they, they did cool off. In fact, the rest of the game, the Hawks were, uh, I, I say only, they were only 9 of, tw- nine of 23, which is still good, by the way. But... Um, Let's just say it was, it was some positive regression. So in the previous two games, the Hawks famously shot poorly, uh, especially in Dallas. But they were 14 of 54 in the last two games combined, and in this game they were 8 of 10 to start the game. So some nice regression there. And the Hawks, by the way, came into the night number two in the league three point shooting. Um, they might be number one after this. They were they were very good from three point range in this game. Um, a small thing, but they actually got a pretty bad foul from a Kongwu early in the second quarter. Um, on the perimeter, just kind of a silly reach-in against Goku Batadze. We'll get into this later on, but Kongo actually fell out of this game. And honestly, I think at least three of the calls were kind of soft. But there's the little stuff that he's just not doing at this point in time. He's actually quite good in this game when he played other than the fouls. But um, a sort of a reminder, again, that he's a young guy. Uh, the highs are very high. The lows are a little bit frustrating right now. That was kind of a weird foul that he committed early in the second quarter. But he bounced back from there, had a bunch of dunks and finishes around the rim. Gallo had a dunk to go up by 22 points. The Hawks had 52 points in 16 minutes, just crazy stuff offensively in that first half. Um, there was an awesome two-man game from Herter and Capella at the outset, with Herter getting uh, sort of Stevenson off-balance defensively, dropping it to Capella, cutting back door, and then Capella delivered a pretty awesome pass to Herter. Uh, by the way, Capella has the highest assist rate of his career, and coming into the night, he was number two in the NBA overall in turnover rate. That includes guards, that includes everybody. Obviously, he has very low usage, but just kind of buttoned up this year from Capella. It's been impressive. It's a small thing, but he's been uh, very solid with the ball. McMillan sort of acknowledged after the game. I think it was Kevin Chouinard asked him about that, uh, at least about Capella's passing. And it's been a little bit of an, of an encouragement to everybody in Hawksland. But the Hawks were up by 26 at halftime. Um, a few breakdowns late that they could sort of complain about in general. But again, the offense was utterly ridiculous. We'll get into all those numbers in a second, as well as the second half of this game and much, much more. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is super easy to use. You pick two to five players and an overrun on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. And entries can be made in under a minute or less. It's just that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals if you use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. There are a variety of options at Prize Picks as well. They offer props on anything that you can think of from points to rebounds, even steals. And they even have mixed sports entries when you go across sports. If you're not just an NBA fan like I am, uh, I kind of cross over to all kinds of sports, and you can do that at Prize Picks as well. They have college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and much more. For a limited time, all users at Prize Picks can take advantage of the exclusive no-brainer of an offer. 
You get $50 for free, but player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you have to use the promo code NBA. That's right, this is an exclusive offer available for Locked On fans. Sign up today, use the promo code NBA, $50 for free, if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So before I go to the second half, because it was honestly pretty uneventful overall, I want to take a second to dwell on the offensive onslaught from the first half. The Hawks scored 76 points before halftime. That's a season high for any half this year. They scored 1.55 points per possession in the first half of this game. Um, They came very close, as we'll get into in a second, to their full game high for points. But honestly, if the Hawks had been trying in the fourth quarter, they almost certainly would have a new season high in scoring. Um, By the way, the most points scored for the Hawks in any half since December of 2020, so more than a year. That kind of tells you the story on that. They shot um, 7-14 from 3 and 66% from the floor in the first half. They have 30 points in the paint in addition to the hot shooting from three-point range. Uh, it was all good, basically, in the first in the first half of this game. Um, they had 22 assists. That's an obscene number for a half. The season high for the Hawks by a lot. The full game season high also was broken later on. And the Hawks didn't ha- hadn't had 22 assists and a half since 2018. And that was a rebuilding team, obviously. But uh, 22 assists and a half does not fool over. I believe the NBA season high this year is 24, 25, something like that. So they were close to that. And uh, it was an onslaught. Trey had 19 and 8 before halftime. Collins had 18 before halftime. And honestly, the defense was pretty good, too. Of course, Indiana's personnel stuff is sort of lording over all of this stuff. They were not playing real lineups for the most part. And there was one exception that the Hawks did not do a good job on the defensive glass, particularly when Capella was off the floor. Those uh, Kongwu, Gallinari lineups do not rebound well, let's just say. But um, other than that, the Hawks did hold the Pacers to about a 102 offensive rating before halftime and uh, held them to 2 of 12 from 3 in the first half. So a, de- a demolition for sure, and that kind of allowed the Hawks to um, you know, have a pretty breezy second half of this game. So as I said before, not a lot to get into the second half overall, at least according to our regular standards. But the Hawks did lead by 31 early on in the period. Some good big-to-big passing from Capella and Collins at the outset. The Pacers did have 10 straight points, actually, that led to a 17-4 overall run by Indiana. And I had to tweet this at that time. I, you know, I kind of believed it on some level. It was an 18-point game with about 16 minutes to go. And given the available roster talent, the Hawks were still completely in control of the game. But it wasn't like fully over at that stage because the Hawks had not like they blew the lead, but it was 31. And when it gets down to 18, it's like, all right, this is not over yet. As soon as that happened, though, and by the way, in the middle of that, Collins got his fourth foul. The Hawks had some offensive hiccups for the only time all, the entire game, really, during that stretch. But after that, there was a timeout. They went back to uh, the bench plus Trey Young. And the rest of the uh, half, sorry, the rest of the quarter was pretty much dominant by Atlanta. It was a huge block by Kongwu on Dwayne Washington Jr. at the rim. It was pretty much picturesque. It was uh, an awesome play by Kongwu. Trey hit two off-the-dribble threes late in the third quarter. And then DeLon Wright had kind of a funny steal and layup when the Pacers were basically caught napping at the very end of the quarter. Kind of just two free points on a hyper-aware play by a veteran in DeLon Wright. And when that all was over, it was a 17-4 run right back. So... Basically, Hawks up 31, Hawks back down to back down to 18, and then back up to 31 in pretty uh, symmetrical order at the end of the third quarter. And through three quarters, the Hawks had 106 points. That's six for itself, obviously. They were shooting above 60% from the field and 56% from three. They had a 141 offensive rating through three quarters. Just ridiculous stuff all the way around. Um, basically, it was over at that point, if I'm being honest. 
The Hawks did lead by 35 early in the fourth quarter, and it went down from there. Actually, Okongwu fouled out with seven and a half minutes to go, and he only played 16 minutes in the game, so that's kind of hard to foul out with six fouls in that length of time. Not a friendly whistle, I would say, overall by Okongwu, but something he has to work on for sure. They went to Gorgie Jang, though. I was a little bit worried that Nate, uh, who is always a little bit stubborn, might go back to Capella, which would have been a little bit silly at that point in time. Because the game was over, but they went to Gorgie Jang with seven minutes to go. Then, with about six minutes to go, it was Skylar Mays, TLC, and Kevin Knox. I know Hawks fans, they were not, like, dialed into Twitter or whatever was going on before this. Did not necessarily realize it until I was trying to pass it along a few times during the game. But uh, it would have been a nice time to have Skylar Mays, no, not, not Skylar Mays, Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson around the Hawks, but they were not with the team. They were actually still in College Park, uh, and part of that is because the Skyhawks have an afternoon game on Wednesday on the road. So there was really no way for the Hawks to have those guys in town on Tuesday and also have them play on Wednesday, and they basically seemingly chose to have them play with College Park. They actually have a back-to-back, too. So uh, clearly, if they had known that they were going to have seven minutes of garbage time, it probably would have been nice to have Sharif and Jalen around, but they didn't have those guys, so they had to kind of play DeLon Wright with the uh, deep bench guys, as well as, uh, you know, with Knox and TLC, etc. The Hawks actually should have had a season high in scoring in this game. They had 122 points with six and a half minutes to go, and then only scored 11 the rest of the way. And part of that was because they were playing garbage time. They weren't, like, pressing really hard to try to score. Jang tried to help him get some points later on, which we'll talk about in a second, but for the most part... It was uh, a demolition and never got close in the fourth quarter, and there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, honestly, from the big picture sense. Um, before we get to the player section of the podcast and a look ahead to the rest of the week, some takeaways quickly here. The offense was excellent, quite obviously, even when adjusting for bad competition, and it was bad competition for sure. Um, the Hawks were one shy, one point shy, one point shy of a season high in scoring with 133. They had about a 135 offensive rating in a competitive portion of the game. And honestly, it was like well over 1.4 uh, for most of the three and a half quarters. Season high in assists with 36. That speaks for itself. Good passing stuff. 58% from the floor. 17 of 33 from three in this game. That's obviously excellent. They did have a lot of turnovers for them. 16 is more than they normally average, but when you compare that to 36 assists, no complaints there. Defensively, they held the Pacers to 40% shooting and 32, 32% from three. Um, the only downside, as I mentioned before, in the first half breakdown and carried over the second half as well, was the defensive glass. Basically, every time a Capella left the floor, it was pretty ugly on the glass. But other than that, it didn't really matter. I will say the defense was not quite as good after halftime, but that's just part of the reality of the situation when the Hawks are up you know, by 20-plus at the break. It's hard to be so dialed in in the third quarter and beyond. In fact, I'm sure McMillan will have some stuff to point out on film to the team, but the third quarter in particular, there was some there was some lulls along the way. But the Hawks did play good defense for most of the night even when you account for Indiana's shortcomings. Um, You know, it's kind of difficult to talk about this. Like, it's good to have the Hawks play well in this game and score efficiently and not fool around or play with their food on this one. Like, they were obviously the better team, and they played well. Um, It's also hard to take too much away from this performance other than the encouragement of just kind of being consistent because, you know, looking at the tape, like, (laughs) it was not a competitive game (laughs) for the most part. So... A nice win. The Hawks have now have two days off to kind of regather themselves and play San Antonio on Friday, but we'll get into that all in a second. But again, overall, a nice performance, a good performance, and a much needed one from the Hawks after they lost three out of the last four games. And we'll get into the standings in a second, but uh, a nice effort overall by Atlanta. Okay, before we dive into the player stuff and look ahead at the deadline, which again looms on Thursday, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Bill Barr. 
this time of year, I usually have given up on all my resolutions for the new year, but this time around, that is not the case. And part of that is because of Built Bar. Built Bar is fantastic. I actually enjoy eating Built Bar, and that helps me to eat healthy and eat right. If you haven't tried the Puffs just yet, you're missing out on one of the best tasting Built Bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're an absolute treat, and they're covered 100% chocolate. There's some incredible flavors. You have churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all very, very good, and they're going to be your new favorite. Built Bars are low calorie, high protein. You can replace your candy bars with them because they're better for you and they taste fantastic as well. Go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away with all the high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb, and everything else you can see. And honestly, if you compare it to candy bars, it's not even close. You have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, you have white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors coming out all the time. If you think the flavor might be good, they'll absolutely make it for you. It'll be delicious and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, honestly, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you can 50% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15. Use that promo code today and check it out at Built.com. All right, and the player evaluation portion of the podcast is here. A nine-man group for the Hawks in this game overall. The stars were all good. In fact, everyone that played was in the positive and what became a blowout win for Atlanta. The bench was solid for the most part. Um, not as good as the starters, but that's kind of the way it's supposed to work sometimes. Uh, we'll start with we'll start with the Kongwu who played the least because he fouled out. But 14 points for Onyeka in 17 minutes. Made all six shots, including two to two at the free throw line. Had a steal, had a block, had three rebounds, and an assist. Um, obviously, the foul trouble is a concern on some level. But again, a pretty soft whistle a few different times. And his... Flashes were really, really impressive as usual in this game on both ends of the floor. Uh, the rebounding is definitely a question mark. And it's worth noting that right now, um, he is a below average rebounder for a center. In fact, he'd probably be a below average rebounder at the four right now if you look at the numbers. Um, and it's not necessarily all on him, but when you pair him with Gallinari, it's not going to go well <laughs> defensively on the glass. Now, Kong was all, is still an awesome defender, but that's an area to keep an eye on, especially when you factor in like, other guys on the Hawks roster, that's one of the things about this team right now that's kind of low-key is that there are no good rebounding wings on this team either. DeAndre Hunter looks like he'd be a good rebounder on the wing, but he's really kind of bad in terms of numbers um, on the glass as a three. And then from there, you're even smaller with Herter and McDonavich. So that's something that's uh, worth keeping an eye on. Uh, you know, Capella papers over a lot on the starting lineup because he's so good on the glass. It's, it's you know He's probably the best guy in the league, if not definitely in the top three or four in the league on the glass. But when he's on the floor, it is an adventure at times. But Kongwu was truly awesome a few different times in this game. The flashes are, are incredibly, incredibly impressive and encouraging. So um, positives and negatives, but definitely more positive than negative. Let's let's be sure about that. DeLon Wright had a pretty good game. Um Four points, but five assists, a steal, and a block, three rebounds for DeLon, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, just very much a DeLon Wright game as again. I feel like I say that every game, but it really is true. Like, he just does all this little stuff. Um, but defensively, he did some little, uh, you know, tweaking of these uh, inexperienced guards. He had, the, he had the one pick six at the end of the quarter. A um, couple of nice drives along the way as well from DeLon. So, a nice well-rounded game for him. McDonavich had 13 points on 11 shots, 21 minutes. He took three of six from the, from the three-point line. In the fourth quarter, he was kind of kind of jacking out some shots, but I thought he played reasonably well before that. Defensively, he still slept slow in my mind, but um, I thought he was okay. And then Gallinari, kind of a quiet game, but got to the line six times. Nine points on five shooting possessions is obviously really good. Two steals and a block for Gallo as well. He had a dunk in this game. He's, got, he's had a dunk in most games recently, actually. He's been a little bit frisky physically. 
uh, in recent days, but I thought he played pretty well. And the bench, again, a collective like plus four or five together when they played together and then even better when they were uh, apart. So there you go for that. Uh, to the starters, Hunter was the quietest one in my mind. Eight points, four assists, three rebounds for DeAndre. I mentioned it before, but really it's been a little bit weird that he can't catch the ball recently and the ball handling has not been tight. It's always been a question mark with Hunter is his handle is not very good for a perimeter-based player. But even just the weird, weird, it's been uh, heightened, let's say, recently. So I'm not sure if it's the, if it's, if it's the wrist or what. But um, I don't think he was particularly good in this game. Uh, not that he was terrible either, but he, if you're trying to sort of nitpick a little bit, I think he was uh, probably their worst starter of the five. Uh, Capella had a good game when he played six points, 12 rebounds, three assists, three steals or turnovers for Capella, plus 16 in 21 minutes. Three or four at the rim. Uh, obviously missed both of his free throws. That's that's not great. But uh, had the one kind of bunny-ish shot that he missed, but made three out of four. You'll take that all day from Capella. And then defensively, he was just an absolute wall. And rebounding-wise, you know, 12 and 21 minutes kind of speaks for itself. When the Hawks were, even just the team stuff, when he's out there, if you look at the numbers in this game, they're good. And when they're when he wasn't, it was bad. And, uh, you know, he would he, I'm sure he would have come back in. This is a game in which you, wanna, you probably would have played him more. He hasn't been closing a ton of games recently for the Hawks, but with Batadze out there, I think he would have closed if this game was competitive. It just wasn't, obviously. Uh, from there, Kevin Herter had a pretty solid game, 12 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds at 31 minutes, um, plus 25, actually a game best for Herter. Kind of did all the little things, I thought, in this game. Wasn't like a huge offensive threat slash weapon, but a good facilitator. Um, and, yeah. Uh, just a nice, like, B-plus game from Herter. Collins was a beast in the first half of this game at 18 points. Only had 20 for the game, but he could have had 40, honestly. It's one of those nights where it was very clear early on that if the Hawks had fed him all the way through, he would have had an enormous game. Um, still, 20 points in 21 minutes is good on its own on 14 shot attempts. Uh, he could have got anything he wanted in this game. That was very clear, and the Hawks did take advantage of that to some, to some degree until they didn't have to anymore. Trey Young... 34 points, 11 assists in 30 minutes, and didn't play all in the fourth quarter. Hit 6 of 9 from 3. Um, I believe he was 7 yeah, seven of 11 on 2s. He was very, very aggressive in the third quarter. I thought it was kind of funny and entertaining for sure, but he was really, really hunting his shot in the third quarter when the game was kind of already over late in the third. Um, but really, he was tremendous and dynamic, and they had no answers at all for Trey. Um, not that most people do, but uh, he had a couple of shakier games recently. He was not good in the Dallas game, for, exa- for example, but uh, he got right in a big way in this one. Shot the ball over from three, got to, got to the floater range, etc., and uh, was dominant when he played. So every starter was plus 14 or better. That speaks for itself, and the Hawks were pretty dominant across the board on this one. From there, uh, the Hawks are now... Two under 500 again. They're getting closer to the 500 mark. <laughs> and they'll be favored again on Friday against San Antonio. So they'll have another chance to get closer to that mark. Um, but as I record this, they're actually only four games behind Toronto and Brooklyn for the four, for the sixth seed, I should say. Because Brooklyn cannot win. They look terrible again. They're beat up. Uh, Toronto obviously just beat the Hawks twice. So that's unfortunate. But the Hawks are hanging around. And McMillan has been consistent in his messaging about top six seed. They're looking at the play-in. They know that's there. But they want a top six seed. And that's obviously the goal for the Hawks right now. That is not unreasonable. They're going to have to play well and get some help. But it's uh, on the table for sure. From here, as I mentioned a second ago, the Hawks do host the Spurs on Friday. Um, the Spurs actually play, I believe, on yeah they play they play on Wednesday in Cleveland. Then they come to Atlanta after that. Um, before that, though, 
a couple of things to take care of. Obviously, the three-point contest announcement was a kind of a slip-in thing, but Trey Young is in three-point contest in the All-Star game. Uh, not a huge surprise there. Trey's kind of referenced that before. He was in it once before and did not do well, and he kind of laughed about that after the game tonight. But uh, he, I believe, unless something changes, Trey will be the only representative that's doing anything for the Hawks on the floor in Cleveland. But obviously an All-Star starter at three-point contest, so congrats, congrats to Trey on that. Um, but of course, the big domino is the deadline on Thursday. I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but I'll say it one more time. I did about a 40-minute podcast yesterday about all the scenarios and play, and you know, I'm sure there'll be something that comes out of left field, but I tried to give you as much of the information as humanly possible on that podcast with thoughts on Ben Simmons and Marcus Smart, um, other players, cap stuff, tax stuff, much more. The only thing that I will just remind everybody of before they listen to that podcast was that CJ McCollum was linked to the Hawks, and I talked about that on that show, but he was, of course, traded today, so that's now off the table. Josh Hart, though, is a name, and uh, I think he's probably still available. He was traded to Portland. Keep that in mind as well, but um, all kinds of stuff to get into on that show. But nothing is new, though, from the Hawks. So I'm recording this at this point. At, it's like 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. The show will be up by midnight. Uh, at this moment, nothing has changed for the Hawks. There's no more rumors that have been reported. There is no trades, obviously, that have happened. Um, my plan as I said on yesterday's podcast, is that if there's a huge rumor or a massive development on Wednesday, uh, if there's a trade that's even obvious, I'll do an emergency podcast. But if there's a big rumor or something we haven't talked about before, I might pop in for an emergency show on Wednesday. But short of a actually a new development that is like significant enough to actually break in with a podcast, I'm going to let that deadline primer kind of speak for itself along with this podcast and then we'll do a wrap-up we'll do a wrap-up show on Thursday after the deadline because the thing is the deadline's at three o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday and most podcast listeners are not going to check out the podcast until Thursday morning if it's a new one etc so the shelf life on that is pretty short if unless something big happens and I have to address it before the deadline actually takes place so hopefully that makes sense but again the best way to find the podcast is to subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we should certainly be there. If we're not, let me know that. But um, I will be around for sure. Also, follow me on Twitter for uh, for all of my real-time thoughts at BT Roland with a W in the middle there. And then uh, also the show has a Twitter account at Locked on Hawks. So if you want the real-time stuff, you can find me there. And then uh, if there's a podcast to be had, I will definitely record it. I'll sign up for now, but the uh, the latest that I will be recording, the, the next podcast will be Thursday evening. I do have to uh, deal with day job things on Thursday during the day, so it probably won't be a podcast recorded at like 3.15 in the afternoon. It's going to probably be in the evening on Thursday, but please subscribe, check out uh, Twitter stuff, and uh, tell your friends about the show as well. We, we definitely appreciated all of the support and all of the shares and the uh, secondhand stuff that we've been getting for sure, but always have a desire to spread the word more. So if you are enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend or family member or tweet about us or whatever you want to do to share that. We really, really appreciate all the support. All right, that's it for today. And we'll see you at the very latest on Thursday evening.